0: Hello, I'd like to welcome you to our series on the Five-Fold Ministry. My name is Reverend Eric McCracken. I'm going to be the teacher of this class, and I'm looking forward to getting into uh, all the different things that we're going to cover over the next eight weeks. I truly believe that God will bless you through this, just as he did uh, when I took this class as part of my graduate school requirement. Um, And and I, I really hope that you will uh, focus in on what God wants to teach you, and and learn from Him more so than trying to learn from my voice. So let's open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, get into this first session. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this time, and I ask Lord God your blessing upon each one of these people who have chosen uh, to to come together and and listen into the teaching of the fivefold ministry. Lord God, I ask that you would be the resident teacher, Father, that you would utilize my voice to speak into the hearts of each person. And Lord God, that, that you alone would work on their hearts individually, Lord, that you would expose the things that need exposed to them specifically. And Father, right now, I do ask your uh, anointing and your blessing to fall upon them, each one, uh, as we enter into this, Father, that they might come deeper and closer with you as a result. I give you thanks, honor, and praise in Jesus' name and all the believers said with me, amen and amen. Now this uh, this session here is going to be just a little bit shorter than the rest will be uh, because there's not a lot of depth to this particular session. Uh, we're just going to cover some definitions and kind of lay the groundwork. So if you kind of think about Uh, what it looks like whenever you're building a house or building some kind of a structure with a foundation. Um, By opting to uh, be a part of this class, you've already dug the hole. And so now we're laying down that first layer of block. And uh, here in a few weeks, we're going to get ready to uh, lay the subfloor and start putting a frame to this. So today we're just going to start by covering some definitions. And... They, they might seem kind of all over the place. That's okay. I just want you to uh, stay with me. Take notes. Have your Bibles ready. Um, and, and try to... Uh, well, rather, don't try to uh, connect the dots just yet. Because everything, everything that we're going to cover today, all of the uh, different definitions that we're going to talk about, all play a vastly different role in different lessons that we will get to um, down the road. So to begin, we're gonna define a couple terms as far as government goes. I'm gonna define five different types of government. Uh, They may all be somewhat familiar to you. Some of them may be less familiar, uh, but they're just gonna be brief definitions. They're not gonna be in-depth definitions by any means, just enough to give you an idea of what they mean. Uh, So if you have your pen and paper ready to go to take some notes, the first one that we're going to talk about is the oligarchy. An oligarchy is a rule by an elite few. Uh, So that's the government that's run by the wealthier, uh, higher social class. Okay, the next one is a monarchy. Monarchy is simply um, the rule by one man or by one woman. And so we think about, you know, nations with kings or queens, that's a monarchy. Gerontocracy is not a very um, frequent government system, but that's the rule by old men. Um, that one doesn't pertain as much to world government anymore as it does um, to church government. And, and that's part of the reason that we're covering these definitions is because there are are different ways that these government systems play into our church uh, system as we know it. The next one is democracy. Of course, we're um, familiar with that. That's majority rules. The rule by a large portion of the people, usually through some form of representation. So, um, you know, you, you have that one person that stands up, and if you get the majority to rule with you, you're in good shape. And then the last one is a theocracy. Uh, if you're uh, only familiar with government terms as are taught in the uh, public school system, you may not have heard of this one, but that's the rule by God through appointed authorities. So again, that's oligarchy, monarchy, gerontocracy, democracy, and theocracy. Uh, and you can, of course, come back to the recording of this session um, and listen in on those if you need to um, take deeper notes on those for any reasons. So those are just the uh, couple forms of government that I want you to have sort of a base layer of information on. The next thing that we're going to define here is the body of Christ. Now, if you're um, if you've been a Christian for more than probably a year then you might have a pretty good understanding of the body of Christ. But I think it's important for us, even as more matured Christians, to come back and and review the basics of what the body of Christ truly is. And so we're going to use scripture to uh, make this definition. The first scripture that we're going to read through is 1 Corinthians. And we're going to read uh, chapter 12, verses 13 through 27. And it reads, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye can say cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts which are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So this gives us a clear image of what the body of Christ is, because um, it, it relates the physical body to the body of Christ, and that helps kind of draw things together for us. Uh, the next scripture that I want to take you to, uh, to continue in this, is the book of Colossians. We're going to go to chapter one. We're going to be re- read verses 18 and then verse eight. Um, yes, verses 18 and then 24. Uh, so Colossians one eighteen reads, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Then we go down to verse twenty four, and it reads, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. So this one. Uh, gives us yet a better definition, um, a little less of an image, um, but more so like a, a worded definition of the body of Christ, which is the church, and that's not to say just the local church, but the church global, as we would call it, meaning every person who believes in Jesus Christ and is saved is part of the church, Okay, so that that gives us a better idea of the definition of the body of Christ. Uh, The next definition set that we're going to hit here is the terminology of the fivefold ministry. And obviously, since this course is on the fivefold ministry, it's going to, um, that this part's going to play a big part of everything that we're learning. So I I really want you to focus in on this part. I really want you to, um, kind of hone in and make sure that you know these terms. I'm not going to ask you right now to know the definition of these terms, but I am going to ask you to know, uh, just the term themselves in regards to the fivefold ministry. So, what we're going to do is we're first going to read uh, from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And it reads So, Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip His people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here or there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. Alright, so this uh, passage of Scripture not only tells us um, those fivefold ministry giftings, but it also tells us the reason that those giftings are put in place. It gives us um, a, a better understanding for why we need to uh, learn about the five different gifts. It gives us better understanding of um, the purpose of those different giftings. And uh, so and, and, and we're going to get into that all a little bit deeper. Uh, here in the next several lessons, but for now, it's good for us to know those terms. Um, Of course, this class being on the fivefold ministry, we are going to cover each one of those ministries individually. We're going to define them. We're going to pull them apart, talk about the function of them and how they work, how they work in the church global, how they work in the local church. Um, And and you're going to learn some really cool stuff that I'm thinking you might not know. Uh, But for today, for the purpose of this lesson, I just want you to jot down in your notebook Apostles, Prophets, Evangelists, Pastors, Teachers, okay? Uh, They're basic ministry words, but sometimes they can be difficult to memorize. Uh, Fun little way that I wrote out to memorize them um, is if you if you write them down along the edge of the page and you see A P E P T, uh, you can remember always pray every prayer thoroughly. And uh, when you when you remember always pray every prayer thoroughly, then you pull out that first letter. You got apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. All right. So that's that's um, the the big point for this lesson is, is that you should be able to recognize at least the word I don't need you to recognize a definition of the word yet but whenever you think five-fold ministry that's what I want you to think is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers okay um, now this next portion here we're going to define the word mystery and this gets a little bit hairy um, so, basically, if you consider what a mystery is, a mystery is something unknown. But the word mystery is used uh, in in regards to different parts of the scripture, and it's not so much that it's unknown, but it's more so that it's something that is unknown to man. It's something that is difficult for, for us as human beings to wrap our minds around, All right? Um, so, if you want to buy a textbook to to read yourself, silly, um, a good book. I'm I'm going to use a definition from a book called *The Church in the New Testament*. It's written by Kevin Connor. Uh, it is, it's got a lot of information in it. It's got a lot of useful information in it. And, um, he really, he takes all of this stuff into consideration and he goes super deep with it all. Um, I think that there's a lot in that book that, um, you could benefit from learning if you had, um, the want to, to actually read it. Because it, it, it's not the easiest book to read because it's textbook style, but these are where I'm deriving the mystery definition from, um, from this book. So Kevin Connor indicates that a mystery in terms of what's regarded as a mystery in the Bible is a truth, which can only be known to the initiated. All right. And that's, that might leave you kind of scratching your head. Um, I know that that definition is a little bit obscure, but what I want you to think about is, um, and, and don't take this as a jump ahead into the ministry of a prophet, but I want you to think about prophecy. Um, if you've ever been ministered to by someone who operates in the gift of prophecy, you know that. God will reveal to that person sometimes something that only you would know, and and that's a way that God can confirm that ministry. But we're gonna we're gonna get into that uh, here in a couple of weeks when we actually discuss the ministry of the prophet. But um, I, I want to use that example for this definition of the min of the mystery, because that that can't be known to us as humans um when someone ministers to us and and God has spoken clearly to the person who is ministering to us sometimes God speaks very clearly to that minister so that we on the receiving end of the ministry understand that it is truly God who is instructing this person um so that's hopefully that kind of helps clear that up just a little bit. Now, um, there's a twofold mystery of the church, uh, if, you, if you would so call it that. And that is that the Gentiles who, um, for, for modern speech, I would say a Gentile is a non-believer. Um, and, and I'll clear that up in just a second here. But I would say in modern speech, a Gentile is probably going to be somebody that we recognize as a non-believer. At the time um, the Bible was written, a Gentile was a non-Jew. So the Gentiles are coming into the blessings in Christ. That's part of the mystery here because, um, you know, Jesus came and, and just rocked the entire system, right? Jesus came and he laid it out. I mean, he he changed life permanently for everybody. And so the Gentiles are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and they're walking in the blessings of Christ. And then the Jews are converting to what Christ has taught. They're They're finding their freedom in Christ from the law. And the Jew and the Gentile are coming together to serve Christ, and they're becoming one new man. And, and that's a lot for us to wrap our heads around. And that's the reason that it's such a mystery. Um, I mean, you could, you could ponder this for hours. And, and when you think back to the time that the Bible was written, you realize that it was kind of a social no-no for the Jew and the Gentile to co-mingle. And now they're coming together as one new man in the body of Christ. Um, so that's, that's going to play a slight role down the road. It's not going to be huge, but I wanted you to have an understanding of what it meant uh, in case we do go down the road of the mystery and the Jew and the Gentile being one new man. Uh, last set of definitions here are going to be uh, defining the words elder and bishop. All right, now, um, we have elders and bishops in the local church today. Now, bishops tend to be the higher-ups because our, our churches have sort of a hierarchy, and that's not particularly biblical, and we'll get into that uh, in a later lesson. But But our churches, as we know them, have this hierarchy system, and bishops... Uh, tend to be kind of over the districts, and so our denominations split the churches into districts, and then a bishop will oversee a district. That's however many churches are assigned to that district you know, six, eight, ten, however many there might be. That's that's sort of the duty of the bishop today is to oversee the multiple churches and to make the decision on. Um, you know, what votes do we need to take? When should we take these votes? And yeah, they they make they kind of call the shots. And then the local church puts in place elders. And the elders uh, frequently in the local church are the people who um, maybe aren't the most spiritually mature uh, per se and and please don't take any offense to that whenever I say it, but, um, they tend more so to be the people who have been there the longest. And maybe you're scratching your head right now and saying, well, if you've been in the church the longest, aren't you spiritually mature? Well, yes and no. Um, of course, going to church does not make you a Christian and, um, therefore being an elder, doesn't particularly make you uh, spiritually mature. But the, the local church, regardless of any of that, sets these elders in place, and the elders kind of have this duty of, you know, being there for people or, um, you know, sort of making making decisions inside the local church. And what we need to do is we need to take these two terms, elder and bishop, and we need to run them back to their original language and see what it actually means. Um, And and so for this case, we're gonna stick with New Testament terminology. We're gonna stick with the Greek. And I want you to know that um, these two Greek words are quite different and yet the same, uh, and and let me let me explain that. So, let's start with the word bishop. The word bishop in the Greek is the word episkopos, and and that comes from a Greek city-state origin. Okay, the word elder, on the other hand, okay, that then elder is presbuteros. That one comes from the Jewish synagogue origin. All right. So so you kind of have two different ends of the spectrum here. You have the Greek cities and the Jewish synagogues and we're talking bishops and elders. Uh they're both in the scripture. But what's really unique to know is that um the the two terms are interchangeable. And so you have elders and bishops um press and episcopases and, and and well how should I put this? It'll be kind of a spoiler alert, we'll go further into this later on, but they are both overseers and and we kind of distort the view of the oversight that we give to the two by creating a hierarchy in the church system, and we make the bishop above the elder, because the bishop oversees multiple churches, and the elder is just within the local church and under the pastor. And it's not really supposed to be that way, um, because whenever you take this back to original languages, and you get to, um, and, and you get to all of this you know, breakdown of everything, you're going to find out that elder and bishop are two different words, but they refer to the same office and function. There is no scriptural distinction between an elder and a bishop. Uh, The distinction between elders and bishops came when man tried to perfect God's church system. And, And we're going to cover a lot of what happened to God's church system because of man as as we get further into this course. Uh, but for today, I just want you to focus on um, kind of familiarizing yourself with oligarchy, monarchy, gerontocracy, democracy, and theocracy. I want you to, uh, even if you're um, an advanced Christian, if you will, I, w- I want you to pray about the body of Christ I want you to ask God to reveal something new to you about the body of Christ I want you to focus on learning the five terms of the five-fold ministry apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers uh, remembering that little um oh I can't remember the name of that word that's that's irrelevant though but but if you need to just remember always pray every prayer thoroughly um I want you to consider the definition of the mystery. I want you to, um, pray through the Jew and Gentile being one new man, what that means in the kingdom of God. And I, and I want you to think about elders and bishops being so different in the local church today, and yet scripturally having no distinction between the two. I want you to, um, Take these notes into your prayer closet, and I want you to ask God just to begin to reveal something to you. And uh, when we meet again next week, I hope that you'll be able um, to come open-minded with all of this stuff as your foundation. And next week, we're going to talk about the functionality of the church. We're going to talk about sort of your place in the local church and how your place in the local church makes an impact on the global church. But I know that we covered, um, sort of a lot of definitions relatively quickly, but it's important for us to have these definitions as our groundwork as we move forward into, um, the fivefold ministry. If you do have any questions for me, I'm not going to record your questions, but I, am. Um, will certainly make myself available to answer any questions that you have. If you need help uh, deeper defining any of the terms, if you want me to pray with you um, concerning the body of Christ, if you, if you want to pray for a deeper revelation of the body of Christ and, and you want somebody to pray with you, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm here to pray with you. Um, I'm more than happy to do so. If if you need um, you know help praying through what God wants to show you about Jew and Gentile being one new man, if you need help um, praying through the hierarchy that we see in today's church, I'm here for that. I'm more than willing to help you and pray with you um, to, because I don't want you to take this course and walk away not having uh, something fresh and new in mind. I want you to take this course and walk away feeling bold. I want you to walk away with a new understanding. Um, There's going to be a lot of things that we cover over the next eight weeks that are uh, not designed to criticize the current church system, but I think you're going to see... Um, how God's plan for the church was corrupted by man. And I think that you're really going to appreciate um, how, how we're going to move forward. And, and at the end, I'm going to give you a growth challenge in week eight. And I'm, I'm very excited about it. So this this is a message uh, that I I really hope and pray is going to help you gain new understanding. But I also hope and pray that at the end of it, you have a new strength in your relationship with Christ. I want I want this uh, course to take you deeper with Christ, um, so that it's not just something that you learn, but it's something that builds you up in your spirit, that exhorts you. So again, any questions, come, come to me. I'm I'm available to answer them for you if you need prayer or you want uh, somebody to pray with you. I'm more than happy to do that. Um, So let's go ahead and close this lesson with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you once more for this time. Thank you for each of my brothers and sisters who's participating in this. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I do ask that as they come to their prayer closet with these things that we've covered, though they seem um, so superficial, Lord God, I just ask that you would minister to each one of these people something fresh and new, Father, whether it be something fresh and new about the church system, whether it be something fresh and new about the body of Christ, whether it be something fresh and new about about Jew and Gentile coming together, no matter what it is, Lord God, I just pray that you would um, help each person to just lay down all of their burdens and open their hearts to you, that you would begin to minister into the lives of each one of these people. Father, I thank you um, that that I have the opportunity to teach this course to them, that I have the opportunity to um, help them in coming deeper with you. And Lord God, I pray that your will will be accomplished in each one of their lives as a result of this course. And Lord, I just ask that in the name of Jesus, you would just shower each one with your rich and merciful blessings. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I will see you in about one week. And I look forward uh, to taking you a little bit deeper in this course. I really think that you will enjoy it. And um, like I said, any questions, let me know. Until next time, take care and God bless. And we will see you later on. Bye-bye.